technology taken over your home? In this digital age, children spend more time absorbed in screens and less time playing outside, reading a book, or enjoying family. With Screen Kids, you'll become empowered to make positive changes in your children's lives. Discover how to take back your home from an over-dependence on screens and learn to teach the five A-plus skills that every child needs to master affection, appreciation, anger management, apology, and attention. This updated edition features interactive assessments and the latest research so you can best confront the issues technology creates in your home. Screen Kids, Five Relational Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech-Driven World, is co-authored by Arlene Pellicane and Dr. Gary Chapman. Arlene is my guest today. She's a mom, popular speaker, and author of several books. She has been a featured guest on the Today Show, Fox and Friends, Focus on the Family, and Family Life Today. Arlene lives in San Diego with her husband and their three children. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Arlene. Thanks for being my guest today on Family Shield. So wonderful to be with you, Kay. Thank you. You are so welcome. So how do you think the growth of technology use due to the pandemic has impacted our kids? Oh, wow. It's like if they're already carrying a 50-pound backpack, now they're carrying like a 200-pound backpack in terms of technology. So it really did boost what was already there. So if your child was gaming before the pandemic, then the pandemic just kind of supersized that. If your child was really, you know, thinking about social media a lot, comparing herself to others, but then that really, because in the absence of just getting together in school, what filled that void? It was more screen time and the poor parent, you know, had to also work and do different things. And so it kind of was that perfect storm of, we can't go anywhere. We have these screens, the parents have to work, so I guess you're going to use these screens, and then now I think it is undoing some of those habits that were learned and and kind of trying to get back to a better load, a better technology load. But I, I do think it has been very harmful for a lot of kids and a lot of teenagers. I'm afraid so, yes, yes. So we've seen some of the benefits of connectivity during the pandemic, but also some of the challenges. What are some of the challenges that you've seen? Yeah, I, I like to look at this as a digital vegetable and digital candy. It just kind of helps us to classify it. And this is something you can talk to young kids about or teenagers. So that digital vegetable, that's the stuff that you're like, okay, this is why we bought the technology. We're able to, you know, FaceTime grandma, even though she's several states away, we can keep in touch with her or we can continue doing our math lesson even when we weren't able to do school or whatever it is. And your kids never get in trouble for this kind of stuff. You're never finding them like, you're memorizing that Bible again, put that down. You know, it's <laughs> not what's happening. Yeah. So it's the candy that gets them in trouble, right? So it's the endless YouTube, the endless Netflix, the endless social media, the gaming. So it's it's the things that are very tempting that are really created to 
attract attention, to hijack attention, to keep attention. And they're super easy to use. You know, you don't have to talk a kid into watching TV or talk a kid into playing a game. So very low barrier of entry, like I want to do that. And then very high reward. And that's just a very challenging situation. So I think the technology, we just have to rethink the technology of today is not the technology of even five years ago, of, of 10 years ago, certainly, where it's mobile, it comes with you. So now it's like putting candy in your child's pocket. You know, I, I would like to take a big bag of M&Ms and say to a parent, now, if you said to your child, here's, you know, family size pack of M&Ms, but I only want you to eat 10 a day, you know, how successful would they be? Well, not very. That's an, almost an impossible environment. And the same is true when you give a child a tablet or a phone. The technology there is so uh, alluring and attractive. And just to say, oh, honey, just watch for 10 minutes or just play for 10 minutes, it's really, really hard for kids to do. So I think that's a huge challenge to understand how some technology is very addictive. Like, you know, obviously the documentary is not that addictive. The Sunday morning sermon doesn't seem to be that addictive. You know, so you can <laughs> yeah. tell the things that that are. And that's the challenge of sifting through that being very purposeful to say, okay, we'll use the technology for this A, B, and C, but then after that, we're going to put it away so it's not in your reach. You know, so really thinking through that as a parent, how can I make my child have a better chance of success with this? Yes, very much so. So how can a parent know if their child is involved with too much screen time? It's a great question. And I think it's something that parents continually go to. You know, it's not like you knew on Friday and that kind of sets you up for the next six months. You have to keep kind of looking at your child. You know, and think of that grid of casual, at risk, and addicted. And casual will be like, oh, I play a video game on the weekends with my dad. And then we put it away and we go ride bikes and do something else. And I never talk about it. And once in a while we do that and it's great. It's casual. That that seems to be working. An at-risk person would be like, oh, you know, we played this game on Saturday. But then on Monday, you know, I'm asking like, oh, can I play the game? Like all my other friends get to play during the week. Hey, it's it's Wednesday. Can I do some extra chores and earn some video game time? Hey, it's Friday. I can't wait until the week. You know, then you know, like you're thinking about this way too much. You're probably a bit too excited about this. And your addicted person is, you know, you you can't go a few days without them accessing that social media or whatever it is. You know, you can't go on a camping trip because they wouldn't be able to handle that. If you take away that device, they will crumble and say, you are taking away my entire world. It's I have mm -hmm. to have that. And you see hits on different things. So like they're not as um, studious as they were. So maybe you have a B student and then they fall to a C or a D and you're wondering, you know, what happened? Or they used to love soccer and now they're not playing or they would love the piano or walking the dog or, you know, just all those activities and you see a change that they're no longer doing those activities anymore. They're just retreating to their room with technology. These are huge red flags that you should pay attention to. Mood swings, irritability, uh, lying, you know, lying to get around things. So that they can get to the technology. All of these things would be red flags to say, okay, we're moving from this casual user to an at-risk user to an addicted user, and we've got to we've got to bring this kid back again. It's hard. And there's so many different ages we're talking about. Um, young children, uh, my yes. daughter has uh, three, two of them are teenagers, and yeah. you know, it, it's just difficult. And then a college student, and, and your book kind of deals with all of that. And I have to say the research that has been done and that you share in it is just awesome. It's 
too much to spend all of our time on, but I would certainly recommend every parent pick up Screen Kids because there's so much in it that every parent, no matter what age your child, needs to know and read and be concerned about. And I think the research helps kids and teenagers. So sometimes they just think, oh, my mom or my dad are being overbearing or they're freaking out or whatever. But when you say, hey, do you know that depression in between 2004 to 2014, it spiked 37%. That's a really big percentage. You know, what do you think happened during 2004, 2014? Oh, we got the phone and we got social media. What do you think about that? Those are more specific conversations you can have with your teens. I think that it does, it is helpful to kind of move that conversation forward. Yeah, especially older ones. I, I wouldn't yeah. have thought about that, but sure, because that relates to things that they're seeing in high school and college as well, a depression and people that are anxious and all of the things that yeah. that happen. Yeah, thank you so much for that. So how does increased screen time threaten the emotional and educational development of a child? Yeah, let's take that first one, the emotional. You know, a child needs to connect and to bond to people, right? To a mom, to a dad, to a grandma, grandpa, teacher, brother, sister, friend, all of those things that we're learning, we're, the brain is developing. They're learning social skills. They're learning how to look someone in the eye. They're learning how to have empathy because they just were playing, you know, a game and the tower just fell down and they've got to have empathy. But so if those experiences aren't happening, then there's this huge emotional void in kids because technology can't help you with your emotional intelligence. You know, like an emoji can only go so far. And it is funny because you think about conversation, so much of it is body language, and then it's tone, facial expression, and then the words, right? So there's so much in communication to understand where when you text someone, you don't get any of that. You don't get tone, you don't get body language, and you don't even really get full sentences. You know, if you're a teacher, teenager or, or, you know, you're getting just truncated, you know, little messages. So it's really important to see like, wow, they're not getting much practice. If you think of it as a muscle, it's a very weak mm -hmm. muscle. Mm -hmm. So that emotional time, it happens at home. And that's what we as parents can do as grandparents, really listening to our children, helping them to identify, you know, or if you're feeling happy or you're sad or you're afraid and, and talking about that and, and really being able to empathize. And it's so it's really that face-to-face -face time that is without technology because the technology, even if you're in the same room together, but there's a phone present, what happens? A lot of times mom picks it up, dad picks it up, your teenager picks it up, whatever. And then there's no communication at all. So emotionally, we're coming at this from a deficit. We've got to really work at that. And then educationally, you know, these poor teachers, if you talk to a teacher that's been in the profession for a long time, they'll say, wow, 20 years ago was a lot different. I could just teach my class. But now it's like, oh, first I have to get their attention and then I have to keep their attention. And then I've got to keep them from going on the computer to places that they're not supposed to be and keep them with my lesson. And then I've got to do all this like counseling because my they're mad at each other because one just talked about the other one on social media and walked in my classroom or they're a young child you know elementary school child and they can't pay attention because they're just so used to the screens you know think of mr rogers very slow paced one camera one person talking very moral instruction and then 
contrast that to SpongeBob, you know, or some kind of cartoon where it's everything's changing within seconds and there's colors and there's explosions and there's, you know, it's very different in what it's teaching and in the way it's teaching it. So kids aren't able to pay attention because the teacher, wow, they don't change colors and <laughs> they don't blow up and <laughs> jump up and down and do all these other things that they're used to. And so that attention muscle is very is compromised. So what is the solution to that? Because all of us, you know, it's, you know, most parents over think, oh, they got to do well in school. Sometimes we have to dial that back and say, wait, I'm more interested in their character than in their, their grade level, you know, of what grade they're getting. But how can we get them to pay attention? We can get them to pay attention by requiring attention. So like having reading time where they have to sit down and read at home of bringing them into church and telling them, okay, you're going to listen quietly, maybe at first for 10 minutes, and then I'll bring you out. But then the next Sunday, now we're going to go for 15. Now we're going to go for 20, you know, and soon you're going to be sit, able to sit through the whole service without a tablet and you're going to be able to listen. And it's very proactive. Like you're trying to lengthen their attention span. Just five more minutes, buddy. Let's, let's get you just five more minutes. And if you do that at home and church and restaurants and different places, you'll see that they'll be able to do it at school too. Wonderful. So much to cover. <laughs> um, so let's talk for a minute about single parents. Can you offer some advice for single parents yeah. who may not have the time to be monitoring their child's screen time? Because you recommend so many, uh, no more than, I think it was three hours at a certain age. I don't remember. But but you, you have a lot of information about how parents need to monitor the child's time, how much time they spend. And um, a single mom is going to have twice the jobs to do. So let's talk for a minute about single moms or dads. Yes, because our hearts go out to the single parent because that is just, it's all the more, you know, that you have to do. And I think part of it is having a support system so that you have other single parents or married friends that you're talking to that give you friendship and support so that your emotional needs are more met. So you're not coming into that home situation every day. Like my child needs to meet my emotional needs because when that's present, then it's like, well, I don't want to upset my child because my child's kind of like my only friend and I don't want to upset my child. And what that leads to is your child kind of walking all over you and, and setting the pace and things like that. So get your, have your friendship needs met somewhere so that when you come into the home, you're ready to be unpopular once in a while because when you do set limits you will be unpopular early bedtimes like not to be afraid of that dr chapman uh, recommended that in the book screen kids saying that hey if you have kids and they're used to oh at seven o'clock you know younger kids eight o'clock nine o'clock we go into our room and we start playing quietly and we start reading books like we can stay awake but we have to stay in our room if you train your child to do that then what happens that gives you more time in the evening to get your things done and then for you to have you know it's not to say you don't want to spend time with your kids of course you do so spend that 15 minutes and read a book together where it's uninterrupted time even if you did 15 minutes and said this is my time to listen and what's going on in your day it's my time to share here's what's going on with me let's read this book together 
that habit of just 15 minutes of together time could just be a game changer for your family. And then, uh, you know, keep it simple that early bedtime, you can play in your room quietly. You know, mom's got a lot to do. Dad's got a lot to do. And we will have our 15 minutes together. Keep it simple. Keep it regular. Have a, a rhythm of things and really understand that sometimes we think, oh, the technology will make it easier if I just let them do these things. But in the long run, you're setting yourself up to have a lot to monitor where let's say you didn't give it in the first place, then you don't have to monitor that all the time. Good, good. I want to make some announcements and then we'll come back to continue talking about screen kids. Family Shield Ministries is composed of Christians who care about families and the gospel, transforming lives now and for eternity. The Family Shield radio program is aired on more than 50 radio stations and on many podcast platforms. We also coordinate our educational and evangelism services. We encourage our listeners to become a partner with us in accomplishing Family Shield Ministries' vision and mission. Join us in prayer, mail a donation, or give online at www.familyshieldministries.org. You can also sign up to receive our monthly newsletter by sending us your email address. It's free. To connect, email witness2family at gmail.com. Now I want to go back to my guest, Arlene Pelican, co-author of Screen Kids. Arlene, before we go back to our discussion, tell our listeners how they can obtain a copy of your book. Yeah, so Screen Kids, find it at your favorite bookstore, you know, wherever it is that you go to buy books, get Screen Kids by Arlene Pelican and Dr. Gary Chapman. You can get that on Amazon and Christian Book, etc. All right, very good. Um, so what can be done to ensure both parents enforce the same rules? That has to be a big, difficult that answer. That, that could be for anything, right? Any <laughs> yeah. rule. Yeah. You know, it's right. not just screens. It's anything. How do you get those parents on the same page? You know, I think shared information, like if a mom and dad will both read Screen Kids or both, you know, like I have a Screen Kids Masterclass, a video class you can take, or sometimes if you see that I'm speaking at a parenting event, when both parents hear the same information, it is this huge win because I have seen it in parenting conferences where the mom and dad both get that light turned on of, oh, wow, this is what we need to do. And when they get on the same page, I feel like, wow, they are unstoppable. Like that is going to work. Like I will literally think to myself, that's going to work. So if you can get you and your spouse to be exposed to the same information, whether it's a newspaper article that you just read about technology, or maybe you both are talking to a mentor couple who's kind of warning you of what their child went through and you're both seeing the sobriety of that, you know, like this is serious. So get on the same page, listen to the same stories, read the same research, pray about these things together. And I think you'll find that, wow, you're you're going to be more united than you thought you would be. And if you're the one that's kind of like, why doesn't my spouse see this? Like, why doesn't my spouse see that buying this phone was not a great idea or gaming um, is not a great idea for our child, whatever it is, you know, try to like do what I'm saying, getting this, the information, but also pray like God will open doors and God will work in your spouse's heart. Oh, great. Great answers. Thank you. Uh, should families participate in a digital Sabbath? 
And if so, tell us what that is. <laughs> yeah, so a digital Sabbath, just think it's like, a, a think of Sabbath as rest, and a digital Sabbath is rest from technology, right? Because moms, dads, kids, teens, it's like so many notifications, so many things to answer, so many emails, so many games to play, so many shows to watch, so many seasons to catch up on, right? It's stressful. So for uh, you, it might be like, okay, let's make Sunday our digital Sabbath where we don't go on YouTube, we don't play video games, we don't do social media, and we will rest from all that. And I find it's really effective when you do it all together. When if you were to say like, you know, this has become an issue for us. So, hey, let's all do this together. Mom and dad will join you. Maybe it's a certain night of the week, like a Thursday night where you say, okay, after dinner, let's do no screens. And you guys, we can read, we can play a game, we can go count up in homework. We can talk to each other, but we're just going to not do screens. It could look like, hey, let's skip social media for two weeks. You know, mom will skip it. You'll skip it for two weeks. And let's just see how we feel after that. It could be a video game fast. It could be a news fast. My husband does those. So you just think of like, how can I take a break to kind of reset the system? Sometimes we just get a little, you know, slowly, you know, minute by minute. And then we realize, how did we get here to mm -hmm. be like looking at this so much? And a Sabbath, a rest, whether it's a one-day period, whether it's for the weekend, or uh, it's a reset period of like two weeks, those things are very healthy and really good. Wonderful. So what is your advice for parents of older children who resist screen time limitations? Yeah. So remember, until they leave your house, they you do still have say. So I know a lot of parents, they just think, oh, they're teenagers. It's impossible. I can't do anything. So I really want to encourage you, if they are in your house, they're 18 years old or younger, you know, you still have a lot of say. Most likely you are paying for that cell phone bill. You are paying for the things that are the, the kind of the trouble spots. They're living in your house. So it's not too late to say, you know what, buddy, I'm sorry. I gave you this phone. I gave you free access. I really thought it would be good for you, but I've seen that it's it hasn't been good for you. So I'm going to collect it at night so that you can get a good night's sleep. I know you're not going to be happy about that, but I'm, I'm sorry. This is on me that I've let it go this far. So we talk about in the book that it is helpful to apologize to your children, to take responsibility as the adult of... I've let this go too far. I should have stepped in sooner. And I'm sorry for that. It doesn't mean your child is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to nominate you for father of the year, you know, <laughs> but, but at least you're trying, you know, it's, it's better than a combative, Hey, we're going to take this away from you, buddy. And I really do like when parents say, when you're older, you can do these things, you can make these choices. But while you are in our home, these are the rules that we set because we love you and we care about you. And obviously, the more relationship you have with that teenager, the more those words will mean. And if it means that, hey, we're going to dial back on technology, but instead, I'm going to try to repair my relationship with you in the years that we have left, you know, we're going to start going um, to get wings and, and look at sports together, you know, for the dad and the son, or we're going to start going on coffee dates for the daughter and the mom, whatever it is, like, try to, in the place of that technology, offer yourself and say, I want to be here for you, because most teens would really, really like a more involved parent. That's very true. Yes. So you talk about the five skills every child needs in a tech-driven world. 
Can you just spend just a little bit of time on each of them because they are important? Yeah, you think about the A plus, the grades, but think of it if your child had the first A plus scale of affection, they were able to give and receive love. They're not looking for love in the wrong places and they know how to properly show love. If they have appreciation, so they're a child who enters the room saying thank you instead of what do you have for me? (laughs) You know, so like that's huge. Anger management, your kids are going to get angry. We all get angry but is it justified anger? Did something really bad happen or are you just throwing a fit because you didn't get what you want and how do you deal with that anger and manage it? Apology. Can you own your mistakes and say, I messed up, I'm sorry, instead of blaming someone else or being the victim or just, you know, ghosting someone, not responding to them instead of having a proper apology. And then the last one we've talked about earlier, attention. Can your child take their wandering attention and focus on the task at hand, whether it's a face to look at a face and talk to them, whether it's a book to be able to sit there and read, you know, can they have the self-control to put their attention where it needs to be. So you can imagine if a child has these five A-plus skills, what kind of advantage they would have in the world today. Absolutely. As I looked at it, I thought anger management and apology. I know they're all important, but uh, those two really uh, will help. And we have to teach them to manage their anger. They don't learn that on their own unless they see you doing it. Yeah. Very good. So uh, how can grandparents get involved in screen time and relationships? And I do want to mention that you have a, a, a new book that is for grandparents. Uh, so you might just touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. So Screen Kids is the main book uh, for parents. It has a lot of research, et cetera. But there's a companion book called Grandparenting Screen Kids. It's a smaller book. It's made exactly for grandparents. And it's for that grandparent who's either seeing the child a lot, like, wow, I'm like almost a second parent. And how do I not rely on screens all the time? Or even a grandparent who's far away and they want to make the most of the technology and they want to use it to connect with their child. So it's all different ideas of how to connect. But the grandparent is so important because they can really help supplement what the parent's doing. So for instance, the real world skills of, you know, here's how to make a bank deposit, or here's how we address a letter, or here's how we, you know, go shopping and pick fruit that is on sale. Kids don't know how to do any of these things. And so for a grandparent to come alongside and say, hey, I'm going to really help you and teach you these things, or I'm going to teach you how to bake or whatever it is that grandparent's specialty is, that's something that will be unforgettable in the heart of your grandchild. And that is actually something very positive about technology that you could have, for instance, maybe before dinner is a hard time for the mom. Well, you could say every Thursday before dinner, the grandchild's going to call grandma and grandma's going to read a story you know, to them over the phone or, you know, grandma's going to take a tour of her house or grandma's going to show what the puppy is doing, you know, all those kinds of things. That is actually a very, very positive use of technology. Mm -hmm. So I've heard awesome stories of grandparents who do puppet shows for their kids, you know, on using the phone or they have stories that they read and they're chapter books and they pick up, you know, from the last time they talked and it really helps to connect them. That's great. We did us. Our, our grandkids are far away, but we played games over through Zoom, uh, especially during the pandemic. And uh, that, that was wonderful. Just a quick closing thought. 
You've had so many wonderful thoughts for us, but just a quick closing thought. My quick closing thought is delay the devices, the personal devices. So before you give that smartphone, before you give that tablet, you know, really ask yourself, what does my child need that for? And delay it because you kind of, you you might meet that child's need for saying everyone else has one, you know, so yay for that. But you've also inherited a whole host of other issues that you probably are not ready for. So before you do that, think twice. All right. Wonderful. Again, my guest has been Arlene Pelican. Uh, she is the co-author of Screen Kids, Five Relational Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech-Driven World. It's a great book. I would recommend it to every parent and grandparent or, or get her grandparent book. And again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield Ministries. Learn more about us on our website, www.familyshieldministries.org. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in his word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, 7045 Parkwood Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63116. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Thank you.